West End Abbey is a contemplative vineyard church in the West End of Winnipeg in Manitoba, Canada. This is a homily from one of our services. There are few words that you might typically hear at a surprise birthday party. So my, I grew up in Hong Kong and my parents and I were invi invited to a surprise birthday party of a rather elderly woman. She lived with her husband on like the fourth or fifth floor of this apartment building. So you open the door at the base and then you walk up all this flight of stairs to their apartment. Well, the husband was there and knew that his wife was returning and had invited several people to celebrate this birthday, but it was a surprise. Now remember, this lady was very elderly, so me and my teenage friends, as we were hiding under the couch with the lights off in her apartment, were like, well, I hope this doesn't give her a heart attack because she's probably not in the mood for a big shock and awe campaign on her birthday. So anyway, I don't know who it was who was watching over the banister of the railing down to the front doors, but eventually somebody must have seen her coming through the front door, and, and here you have it, the words that you often hear, she is coming. All of us raced back in, shut the door, switched the lights off, we're all huddled like, you know, mumps on a body. I don't know why I use that as an analogy, but anyway, we're all huddled together, crazy, waiting for her to come in, and of course we hear the, the door the doorknob shake and she opens the door and we say surprise and she was surprised thankfully not to the point of a heart attack but it was this joyful moment that began with us one of us seeing her come through the door and saying she is coming and this is what john is saying here in this gospel passage today he is saying amongst a whole other range of other things involving axes and fire and wrath and all the rest of it. At the end of this passage, he says, there is one more powerful than I who is coming. And that, in a sense, is the, the big theme of Advent, isn't it? That God is coming. God has come in the form of a baby. God is coming here and now in and through his spirit. And God will come one day in the return of Christ to make everything new. And I love that phrase is coming because it's, uh, for those of you who are grammar nerds like me, I was an English major. Does anyone know what is coming part of speech is? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Present progressive. Present. Present progressive or present continuous, which means the action is happening like immediately. It's ongoing and it's happening frequently and it could continue into the future. That's the part of speech is coming. It's meant to convey this sense of momentum and energy and action, right? So I want to spend a little bit of time uh, talking about who is this person who is coming that John is speaking about. Well, he says that the one who's coming is more powerful and more worthy. And I think he's meaning this in two ways. One is he's more powerful and worthy because this person, this God, this Christ will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You and I and John can dunk ourselves in water and dunk anyone else in water. We could even go to the beach and dunk ourselves with a bunch of sand and you know bury ourselves in a bunch of sand. But there is nothing and no one on the face of the earth who can 
baptize anyone else in the spirit of God except God himself. God is the only one who pours out the spirit on on other people. That's what makes Jesus the one who's coming powerful. He can baptize you and me in something that nobody else can can do. So what is that experience of being baptized in the spirit and with fire? It's, It's a mystery. It's a mysterious thing. I mean, there's, of course, echoes of this in Pentecost when the spirit comes on those assembled and they see what appears to be tongues of fire resting on each of them. Luke here, the writer of this gospel, is is foreshadowing that moment at Pentecost when the spirit comes like a wind with something that looks like fire. And of course, that was Jesus' promise, right? But it's still mysterious as to what this experience looks like. What does being baptized in the Holy Spirit and with fire look like? Well, I don't know. But I was thinking about what kind of experience have I had that might relate or help me understand what John the Baptist is meaning here, not only for this time, but for us. What does it mean for us? I was once at a a gathering, um, a Manitoba Prairie's pastor's gathering. And this, by the way, does not happen often. This was an unusual experience. So I think we were praying for one another or we might have been singing or something. And I I felt like a little, kind of a little warm, like maybe a little clammy or something. And the person who was leading the meeting kind of from the microphone said something like, and you know, Lord, fill Suhail with your spirit or something like that, something generic, right? And kind of came over to me and put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, when he put his hand on my shoulder, oh my gosh, you're on fire. And then, as if that wasn't bad enough, he said to everyone in the microphone, come put your hand on Suhail, like, feel how hot he is. I mean, telling people how hot you are in church could be a good thing. But in this case, it was like, I I don't feel particularly hot, maybe a little bit. But this guy was like, I can't even put my hand on him. It's like he's, he's burning up. I don't know baptized with fire. Maybe that's something of what John is referring to. Maybe it's something like Pentecost. But whatever it is, fire warms. Fire is comfortable. We gather around a fire, you know? Think of probably some of your best Christmas memories are sitting around a fire, maybe in your parents' house, or maybe with friends, or sitting in the backyard of a fire, and the warmth and the friendship and the intimacy and the joy of a moment like that. Baptized with the spirit and fire. Fire warms. It's a unifying or a union kind of experience, right? But fire also melts. And what is melted can be used. That's how they get iron to be shaped in various ways. That's how wax can be shaped into various structures. Fire warms, but it also melts. And in that moment at this gathering where I was told in front of everyone how hot I was, I felt close to God. I felt the love of God. I felt the presence of God. I felt, oh my goodness, Jesus is alive and real and loves me and is here right now in this moment, making that apparent to me. But also it was this moment of, I think, being somehow strengthened or graced or empowered to lead and to pastor, to be formed into something that would be of use in the kingdom of God. 
baptism in the spirit and fire. So I wanna bring you back to that apartment building that I told you about the surprise birthday. While I was at this same apartment with a few other family friends another time, and the teenagers and me, we went up to the top roof and on the, on the bottom of this apartment building, there was a basketball cement court. And I must have been 15 at the time. And me and my friends thought it would be a great idea to lob tiny pedals, pebbles from the roof to the basketball court below. Now this is not a good idea and I do not recommend this because of course there are players on the court. So we thought it was so hilarious to like pretend we were in some military exercise and we're backs to the wall lobbing these pebbles of various sizes, right? And then peering over to see and then kind of laughing and then back we go. And then eventually I hear like some shouting and there are people looking up to the roof and pointing and shouting. And so we're like, okay, we better go inside, right? Well, we're inside. Okay, that was fun. We won't do that again. And then there's a, a doorbell. And that means there's someone at the bottom stairs. And we go out and we peer and it's a policeman. So this is now next level, okay? Like I'm 15 and I'm thinking here I am going to jail for life for throwing pebbles at basketball players. So we go back inside and this time we're trying to hide but it's not because we're trying to surprise anyone. It's because we're scared for our very lives because we have been throwing pebbles at basketball players and now the police are here, right? And oh my goodness, it felt like an eternity for the policeman to walk four flights of stairs and sure enough, they knocked on the door and I had to face these two gigantic Chinese policemen. And Chinese because we're in Hong Kong, not because I'm trying to be funny <laughs> and add some flavor to the joke, you know? And I was like interrogated by these men, were you up on the roof? Were you throwing stones? Where's your friend? Where do you live? What's your number? What's your parents' name? Give me your ID card. My parents were happily enjoying supper in another part of the apartment. And I think they just thought, well, if you're gonna do that, you're gonna have to face the consequences of it. And in this passage, John also says, as well as Jesus is coming to baptize you with the spirit and with fire, Jesus will also clear his threshing floor. And the image here of the winnowing fort in that time in Palestine, the way they separated the, the grain or the good wheat from the chaff is they'd throw it up into the air and the air would blow away the chaff and then the good grain is what's left on the floor. And John is now saying Jesus comes with the fork and he, get, he gathers up the, the grain into his barn or his granary and then he gets rid of the chaff. And the problem is here that nobody likes the image of a God who's coming to separate good from bad or useful from useless. Nobody likes the image of a God who comes to judge. And I don't like it. I much prefer the God who thinks I'm hot, <laughs> right? But here, to be faithful to this passage, we have to face this image of John saying, the one who's coming will not only baptize with the spirit and fire, but he will also separate the wheat from the chaff. Now, I don't know. if Does that mean certain people from other people? Does that mean the wheat and the chaff within us? I'm not sure. 
you and I have to pray about that. But why would that be good news of joy? Well, it was good news of joy for the people on the basketball court who were getting stones thrown on their head. The policeman coming up to talk with me was good news for those guys, even if it wasn't good news for me. And there is some joy at realizing one day God will come and everybody will have to be accountable for the stones that they've thrown and the ways that they've hurt people. And yes, mercy will triumph over judgment. Thank God for that. But think of all the devastation. Think about our own country and how indigenous people have been brutalized and colonized and traumatized. All of those things don't just go slipped under the, the rug. God knows. And God will talk with people about those things. How he's going to do that and what that experience will be like, I don't know. But do you see how God coming to discern or separate this from that can actually be great, great news. It can be the news of justice. Not in the sense of you're going to pay and suffer and be punished, but you're going to have to account for that thing and the broken, crooked things will be made straight and right. So the joy this morning that I want to invite you to is the joy, of course, of God coming near to you in and through the Spirit, the fire that warms you, the fire that molds and shapes and forms you. And also to consider your and my own life in the light of a God who sees and knows and will talk to us about stuff and talk to us about the things that were done to us as well. So perhaps this leaves us with two invitations. One is to ask, ask for God to fill you and to baptize you with the spirit and fire, knowing and trusting that that will be a warming and a shaping experience, whatever that looks like. Luke says in another part of his gospel that Jesus tells us, if you ask your parents for bread, they won't give you a stone. And how much more if you ask God for something good, will he give you the spirit? So ask. And second, to consider your own life, there's this three, three groups of people who ask Jesus, well, what should we do? Maybe a way to start is justice and generosity with your clothing and your food. Whoever has two coats, share with anyone who has none and whoever has food, do likewise. Maybe start also with honesty and integrity to the tax collectors. He says, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. And to the soldiers, to move in spirits of peace, not coercion and power and to be content don't extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. Justice, honesty, peace, and contentment. Perhaps those are good practical ways for us to think about our life alongside asking for God to baptize us with the spirit and with fire.
So we'll take a few moments just for you to sit with this gospel story and perhaps listen to or speak with God as a friend would to another friend about what's happening, if anything, for you. <laughs> 